The internet ruins everything. Or do they? Welcome to Triangle Square Day PlayStation Podcast. I am your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you episode 69, Lucky and Dirty, episode 69, if you have a uh, immature little brain like me and Brett both do. Hey, humor is humor. <laughs> Gutter humor. <laughs> it's humor is humor. Uh, hey, it's okay. We're still in our 20s, right? It's all supposed to be there until you get like, oh, well, crap. You don't I'm have saying, long. Yeah, I got three years. I'm on the I'm on the wrong side of it these days, so. I guess that's true. No, I'm, I'm going to say that the entirety of 25, I'm there. I'm good. You know, I'm not on the a wrong side of it until 26. You just wait till you're 27. So. And I'm sure people listening to this that are like older than us, who we know there are, they're like, uh, shut up. Yeah, probably. We're young. But Brett, let the people know who we are. We are Triangle Square to Places Podcast, like I said earlier. And you can find us, if you are joining us for the first time, usually on YouTube in video format on Mondays at 10 a.m. PST and 12 p.m. CST, in case you're a part of the uh, Arkansas... Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, you know, all those places that are in the central and then the ones up north that I can't ever remember. What is it like Chicago? Are we in that? Is it, are we Chicago time? I can't ever remember. What? Yeah, we're Chicago time. Yeah, so there we go. Yeah, if you're if you're up in those parts, um, but we also are on podcast services in audio only format. Uh, if you do listen to us on there on iTunes specifically, God, uh, you could consider giving us a review. It helps us get our numbers up there. Helps people find us a little bit easier, and of course, it lets us know what we are doing right and wrong, and it, we will kind of take those into account to adjust as much as we see fit. Um, Let's oh, see. Man. We are also on Discord. If you want to join us there, we keep those down in the links, uh, uh, the link for it down in the description for both the podcast services as well as YouTube. Uh, you can find us on Patreon where you can support us at a dollar, two dollar, or five dollar tier. Where currently it's just really to support us. I mean, there's the small things that you get, but we are working on doing that, which we really, really need to get down to the nitty gritty. We're just busy right now, a lot of schedule stuff. And to wrap it all up, you can find us on Twitter at TriangleSQRD, where we have our reader mail questions, which we'll get into eventually, um, where we take those and read them on air. And if we don't get to them on air, then we take them and answer them on our reader mail episodes that we do once a month, where we compile all the ones we didn't get around to and get them into their own reader mail episode. With that said, Saul, yes, what have you been playing this week? A uh, little bit of everything this week. I haven't had a whole lot of time in the past couple days been playing of course octopath uh i haven't played that since i think wednesday evening i think uh or tuesday and i'm hoping um if everything goes well tonight i can hop back into that and instead of going to work and the same goes for tomorrow when i get home tomorrow from five o'clock i'm definitely gonna hop back into some octopath but i've still been playing rainbow i don't know what it is lately i've been like rekindled and addicted to that game but, siege right yeah siege and then uh I actually downloaded speed. You said it earlier. Uh, I actually downloaded Enter the Gungeon for the Switch, and uh, it actually plays really well. I had to get used to the controls because the controls are quite weird. But uh, other than that, like that's kind of it. I, I I knew the second Octopath Traveler came out that I'd be taking a break on Kingdom Hearts playthrough, so I have stopped my Kingdom Hearts two playthrough uh, fairly early on. So I'll probably hop back into that relatively soon. But I think that's really it. Did you decide to stop squishing his face? I did. You might make him mad. For whatever reason, Shift and Gimp is not working right where it's supposed to keep perspective. Uh, Oh, I downloaded Rocket League again on PS4. We all need to play that. that. You just completely missed my pun, but that's okay. No, I did. No, I got (laughs) it. I chose to ignore it. Um, But yeah. Yeah, so did you say on Switch, though? 
No, 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 on PS4. I just redownloaded it. Okay, yeah. no, I was just curious because, I mean, well, okay, you said a... redownload it. Yeah, yeah. So you never owned it on Switch, right? No, no, that would be a good system to have it on, I think, if it play, if the controls well. But... Yeah, I'm curious. You Really, there's quite a bit going on for that small of a screen. Not really. If you're playing I, I, in handheld, in my for, opinion, I don't know. That's actually one of the few games where I'm like, I actually see a real need because to have it on. Your, yeah, uh, TV. I guess you know it, it depends on how you play too. I mean, if you follow the ball camera, see, uh, and that's or, actually or play free, and you know the, the more strategic players don't follow the ball. I can't remember uh, what was like the more competitive thing to do is to have the ball camera or not. But uh, yeah, not that's or at least in terms of there's a lot of strategies that people use. Right, and uh, it, I mean, it was fun. You know, me, you, and Blaze used to play it for oh, yeah, a I good love the game. while, actually. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping, even though that we... Uh, they, I know you got the Platinum in it. I'm hoping that maybe we can start all back with people again. I know Liam said there was a bronze trophy or something that wouldn't pop for him, so maybe we guys, we can all get a Rocket League league going together every Tuesday night. A Rocket night. League league? Yeah, every Tuesday night we all hop on Rocket League. But uh, that's, that's kind of been it. What about you? Okay, well, uh, let's see. I have played... Uh, I think since the last episode, yeah, I was going to start Air. I played Air and beat it. Very fun little game. Uh, definitely for the price. I think I paid five ninety nine for it, if I'm not mistaken. Real fun, cool art style. It tastes like this real polygonal uh, style where it was similar in terms of like color and and general style of something along the line of like rhyme where it's really artsy and colorful, but not a lot of next necessarily and not a lot of detail. Like there's not real textures as much as it's. Um, colors kind of going around but what made it interesting is that the models were all you know you actually saw the polygonal shape of them so you'd see like the triangles and squares making up her character model they weren't smoothed over i thought that was a cool idea uh and i will say man that game is like navigation is really fun it's uh in case y'all haven't seen it, it's a game where you play as this human character where you can actually jump and then turn into a bird and fly around these islands. It's like the story is basically that all these islands were once joined as the primary world. Uh, and then what ends up happening is that some big event happens that causes all of them to break apart. Uh, and the world's like it's kind of technically post, I don't want to say apocalyptic because that's not really... It doesn't fit in with the visual style that normally goes that route, but, but in a way like it a is. it's like Solver, uh, where it's like really barren. In and a then, sense, yeah. but it's it's actually not barren because it's got, it's a very colorful game. It's got really cool. Uh, there's like a snowy area and all this stuff. Uh, there's an area that's got like a lot of waterfalls and whatnot. And yeah, I saw. I saw. Then there's I've, like a city area. The game is really cool. And I mean, the only thing I'll say that was really it's a fun, easy platinum. It's actually got a plat, uh, one of those trophy lists that where you don't feel like you're trying too hard to do any one thing. There's only one trophy that's technically missable if you don't do something at one point in the game. So I do. If you're gonna play it and and want to go for the guide, it wouldn't be hard to go back and catch this trophy. Uh, but you know, you may want to go to a trophy guide just to make sure you don't miss this one. Uh, and it's like a game of hide and seek kind of thing that you have to do uh, at a specific part of the game. Other than that, really fun, simple. Uh, I think it has a really cool world. It's one of those games that doesn't have combat, but it doesn't need it. You know, it's got the, uh, it's more of a, uh, exploration puzzle style game where you go through different temples and stuff like that. Once you get into these areas, you get T you get keys to different places can go in through, uh, you go through a temple, solve it, and get something out of it, and go through. Uh, the story is actually interesting. There's quite a bit of things that you can read that are like lore pieces yeah. that are around that you can read um, that are pretty cool. There's spirit animals you can stop and talk to that are pretty cool uh, when you see them, and it kind of tells even more of a story about what's going on in the world uh, if you choose to see them out a little bit more. Uh, but definitely the final bit of the game, it feels like you're going to get to spend more time with it than you actually end up getting to. And it kind of just comes off. So it's one of those games that is great uh, to me. It's very fun and, and really you know, pulls you in ended. all the way up until the end where you just feel like, why am I not actually getting to do some of that? And it's actually 
kind of ends in a way where you're not sure what happened completely. Like, oh, you, See, you are, but that's, you're not. That's almost that. I mean, it's not a killer for me, but that really can rough me around the it's, edges. It's interesting. I still mostly enjoy the game. It just and also because the character model for this dude was so crazy cool, and you didn't get to spend like but one cutscene with him. You didn't even get to physically do anything. It was just uh, one of those things. I was like, man, I really wish that we would have had more time here at the end. But, you know, indie games are weird, and they may have had a reason. They may have wanted you to end with that, wait, what exactly just happened kind of thing. You feel like... I don't know. I don't want to get too much into it. So, um, But very fun. I think if that's something you'd like... um, if it sounds like something you like, if I know the mid-year sale is gone, but if it goes on sale again, I would consider catching it. I think the base price is normally $15, which isn't just ridiculous, but $6 is obviously an easier pill to swallow there. And it's um, uh, your 50th Platinum too, right? And it was my 50th Platinum. Uh, not necessarily that I was aiming for that. It just ended up happening that way. I've also been playing Cat Lateral Damage. Way too much of Cat Lateral Damage. I saw y'all talking about that in Discord. Uh, I have no idea what that is. Okay, so it's a game where you play as a cat. And the whole goal of the game is just to unlock more cats and whatnot by going through areas, like be it a house and then a house in the country and then like a shopping center or you know, like a marketplace or a museum. Basically, what you're doing is going through and being a cat. You're meowing and knocking stuff over, that's, picking stuff up and running around. That sounds amazing. Please tell me that's not a full price game because Annie would love it. No, that. I think it's, I mean, it goes on sale often. I think I paid $2 for it, $3 for it. I think normally it's 10 or something like that, maybe 15 That's Even uh, then, it's really, it's really stupid, but it's really funny. It's one of those games that when you're just sitting there, you're playing it and like you, it's really more fun than you imagine that it should be. But you can just meow on command and swat. Like, it's so left trigger and right trigger, your left and right hand, and then uh, L1 and R1 are, like, straight arming yourself out so you can, like, knock stuff off the table. It kind of sounds like um, uh, Human Fall Flat. That had a control scheme that's kind of similar to that, or reminiscent of that, I should say. And that was a really fun game. Yeah, anyway, it's real fun. I'm almost to the Platinum. The Platinum is just a little bit of work in terms of, like, I feel like I'm actually, because I'm going for the Platinum, I'm wearing myself on the game a little bit. But I'm real close. I've only got one trophy left, which is uh, 50 of the objective level. So I'm real close to that. Uh, let's see. I uh, started playing Crisis Core. <laughs> I saw that. Um, you didn't exactly play it ethically, did you? I, I, I Square doesn't want to give me the means to do so. So, in a little bit of experimentation, I have gotten Crisis Core running on my Vita. Yes. So good. See, that makes me... Now, can you do what you're doing on a new Vita? Yes, all Vita. Including the the Vita TV. I don't want to get too much into that. No, yeah. So, I can literally go buy a Vita TV for like $2 and they're on Amazon pretty much. No, they're not going for that anymore. They were, but... Are they they really expensive again? No, but they're like 70 bucks. Okay, that's not bad. I mean, I'd much rather and you have... Can, and, and this also lets you take off all the games that get blacklisted, and you can play any game on it. That way, I you, would be worried of possible ramifications. I know that there's like a proxy for online and stuff, but if it ever got yeah, back, but I mean, banned, even then, I just, I'm just all saying. All your 50 Platinum's gone, my boy. Yeah, but I'm also not playing online, so it doesn't matter. And I I'm only that, using this for one specific thing. So I guess that's true. Really, I, you know. I would definitely make a fake PSN account for it. Uh, but I guess you want me to go ahead and hop into the drop? I was trying to think if there's anything else I played, but I don't think so. It's been a little bit of a busy week i can't think of anything i actually popped in so yeah go ahead sure so for those that don't know the drop is this week's releasing games on playstation and all their systems we have first up on the list aces of luftwaffe squadron luftwaffe luftwaffe squadron for ps4 we have Luftwaffe. i I don't know what it's a german thing i I know know that but who knows Earhart tales of the broken wings for ps4 banner saga 3 for ps4 Banner Saga Trilogy PS4. This is actually out physically 
Bud Spencer and Terrence Hill slap and beans for PS4. I d- there's what? a there's a lot of I'm not gonna call bad I'm not gonna say bad there's a lot of questionable looking games for this week we have Candle the Power of the Flame for PS4 we have Detached for PSVR Game Tengoku Cruisin Mix for PS4 Gnome's Garden Three because there's apparently three of them for PS4 Hello Neighbor for PS4 out available I didn't know that was getting a retail release uh, yeah I'll say physically. We have my most excited game of the week that I'll probably end up buying here soon. Mega Man X Legacy Collection 1 and 2 for PS4, digital and retail. Going to pick that up on the Switch. We have Narcosis for PS4. The Persistence for PSVR. Heard good things about that. We have Phil's Epic Phil Apix Adventure (laughs) for PS4 and PS Vita. I saw that and I was like, I assume that this is like a picture put together type type of game i don't know that's a cool art yeah right now there. remothered tormented fathers for ps4 looks pretty cool sea what a of, name though right yeah that's kind of cliche uh sea of memories for ps4 train sim world for ps4 available at retail stores p or vr robot for you got it psvr and that's it up on the list very short list no it's it's v robot the like 13th sequel to irobot did you actually get that right? Is it actually 13 letters in between I and No, B? I have no clue. I was going to say, that doesn't please sound do right. Not, please do not quote me on that. I have no clue what it is. So what, there's 26 it's letters. 26 total. So, I mean, that's a halfway mark. I don't think I's in the J-K-L-M- middle. J-K-L-M-N-O-P-Q-R. <laughs> no. You're close. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see. Okay, I'm going to hop over to the news. One away. And I did that. I may be tired. I may, actually may be wrong. Was that? I said you were one oh, away. One away. Oh, well. We're just going to say I was uh, I was right for, you know, my own ego. Uh, let's see. Whoa. Apparently my news doesn't want to refresh for you me. You changed the color, did you? Nope. Oh. You're looking Always at... Blue? Yeah. I'm looking at what? You're looking at it from an angle, I guess, is what I was going to say, but maybe not. No, I was, I have okay, here we are. We talked about it a couple of weeks back. Uh, actually, we talked about it last week, I think, too. Uh, Gravity Rush 2 servers have closed down after 18 months of the game being out. Uh, and this is despite all the online uh, petitions they had running. If you remember, they did one earlier, uh, or technically at the end of the year last year when they were going to do it. Or it may have been January. I can't remember. Anyway, it got pushed back uh, to now, and from there, they have... Finally, even though they tried getting it back, they finally said, hey, we're done. Um, It's still sad. I think it's just one of those things where when you look at it, I mean, it's a failed game, so whatever. I guess it is what it is uh, in that sense. But it does look weak to have a game and try and close the servers within a year and then again in a year and a half. But at least they extended it once. That's good on them. I mean, they listened. They can't say that, you know, the PR spin on that is, well, you can't say we didn't listen. We gave you one extension, so... Uh, PlayStation unveiled two special edition PS4s for Spider-Man, a PS4 and a Pro, both utilizing the same design featuring the game's spider emblem in white sprawling across the top of a high-gloss amazing red, that's their color they're giving it, uh, console, a matching DualShock 4s packed in featuring the same red with white inputs. I shared this on Twitter. That controller is sexy. The controller I is, I want to tell you right like now, the, the thing I like about the controller is they did not put any extra decals on it. And I know that in, in to an extent that means that, okay, well, it kind of looks plain because it looks like a red controller with white inputs. Well, yeah, that's what it is. But regardless of it, whether it's supposed to look special edition or not, it looks cool. And it's, it's different from everything else they've done. The other cool thing about that is that surprisingly, the controller supersedes the colors of the face buttons and they're all red. Right. And I which like, I, again, I think is cool. I like that a lot. I just, I, I really don't like the system. And if I liked, honestly, this is going to sound really weird and dorky, but like red doesn't go with anything in my room. 
so I'm not going to get the controller even if I did. But, like, if they made, like, a light blue, uh, there's a powder blue Xbox controller. If they made a, dude, if they made a PlayStation controller that was that color with that accent, my God. Here's the thing. I know that those analog sticks are going to be filthy. You know, oh, in a yeah. matter of time, but that's, it's still, that, that, good. it looks is, so good. I'd, I'd, I'd get some of those, what are they called, control freaks that don't really extend. They're just there to cover, protect it. Yeah. Yeah, but I hate the way they feel because it adds that much more height still. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. I mean, they don't necessarily extend. Uh, anyway, the both of them come with a physical copy of the game, which is good. People were asking about that. Uh, packed in as well as a code for the City That Never Sleeps DLC. The Pro will retail for three ninety nine, so that's actually a pretty sweet deal. Uh, the Slim currently has only been announced for Europe, so it'll be interesting to see if we get it. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes that yeah, we may not get it. Uh, speaking of Spider-Man, uh, Insomniac also revealed the final pre-order suit for the game, uh, which is the Velocity suit, which has like a very almost... It's interesting because it, it looks almost like Iron Man, but then again, the Iron Spider suit has an Iron Man-ish look to yeah. it. But in a way, this almost looks more. It's like more hard hard angles and stuff in certain edges. I don't know. It looks cool, though. I mean, a, a little thick in some areas, but it's okay. Um, cool to see either way. I'm you know not a huge fan of pre-order bonuses in that sense, and I typically don't use them anyway, but hey, at least it looks cool. Uh, Capcom announced a collector's edition for Resident Evil 2 Remake that will be exclusive to GameStop. Kind of odd. I've been seeing a couple of collector's editions being exclusive lately, which is a very odd thing when it's not exclusive to, like, so Square, right? All of Square Enix's uh, collector's editions are exclusive to their store, but it's their store. Right. So that makes sense. Ex- partnering with somebody is a little odd, and it comes off weird. And it, a lot of people have said that they're not going to get it because of the fact that it's with GameStop. I mean, that's, that is that is a complaint to have. I think that um, I'm not going to get it because I, I, I can't justify any more spending $200 for a statue yeah, in sure. the game. Uh, and I don't think it's enough to warrant the $200 price tag either. It has to either. be a really high-quality statue. And, and I am super excited for this game, but I'm not going to get the... Uh, statue that's essentially $140. You get like a crate with it too that I saw. Yeah, the boxing is cool. I'll give it that. So uh, what it does is comes with a 12-inch statue of Leon in his police uniform, which is cool. It's on a round base. It has Leon Kennedy on it, which is actually a kind of nice touch. Uh, it comes with an art book, a digital soundtrack, a poster, which is like the uh, Raccoon City police station when it was a museum and like the blueprints of how they're changing it over to a police station. Uh, which is kind of interesting. And, of course, it comes with uh, the game with an extra DLC pack giving new outfits and a special weapon and also the ability uh, to have the original OST and where you can switch them through. I feel like that's something that should just be in the game anyway. That's a little bit of a man thing. Yeah. But I feel like that's something they should have given to all players because that's actually a cool idea, right, being able to switch between the two. I think from what I saw just a second ago but didn't have time to hop in here, I think they're doing the same thing with Spyro. Uh, They're going to let you hop between the original mastered audio and the new remastered. Uh, audio, which is That's really for cool. the for specifically the music, which is cool. Um, that said, it uh, looks like it's currently only available in North America uh, for one ninety nine, like Saul said. But Capcom says that there are plans to give information about a European version as well, maybe the same, just with a different exclusive retailer. Who knows? Uh, next thing up, Stardew Valley's multiplayer update is getting closer. We've talked about it enough on this freaking podcast. Uh, with the PC version of the game receiving the update on August 1st and consoles soon to follow, we will see how long it takes us to get it, or even if it hits on place on PC on the 1st, that may get delayed again because it's been delayed over and over. Um, but, you know, I mean, I get it. It's a little indie game trying to do that stuff on your own. 
cool to see them still trying to do it after these uh what it's been out for what more than a like almost two years right yeah it's been out for quite a while now yep so uh next thing up smash light platform fighter brawl out has been given a date for ps4 with the game set to release on august 21st they also announced that ukulele i guess yuka and Lele, if i've recalled the way the game was set up are, are joining the roster as a guest appearance alongside hyperlight drifters protagonist and yeah. guacamelee's one uh pre-orders are now open if you are one of those people that like to do that you get a pre uh, a 10 percent discount if you pre-order on the PlayStation Store currently. Um, let's see. Grand Theft Auto Online is receiving another update this week. The After Hours update brings back my boy Gay Tony from Grand Theft Auto 4 for players to co-run and operate a nightclub that will act as a front for a criminal enterprise. We're going to get... Uh, we're going to get crazy on here. We're going to do some Breaking Bad stuff on here. Uh, the update hits the 24th, so that's the day after this goes live. Uh, and I think that this is kind of interesting to see because, of course, you know, there was, I've seen conversations on boards lately where people are talking about uh, Red Dead being this big, massive thing. Well, while that's true, right, It's not. some it's people are acting like it's going to completely supersede Grand Theft Auto, and it's just not. Yeah. And so it's it's heartening and, and sensible to see that Grand Theft Auto Online is still getting the update for what it is because, of course, there's a huge player base, uh, and you have to keep them happy while you do Red Dead because Red Dead is going to do huge numbers. I don't anticipate it doing... Grand Theft Auto numbers. I would imagine that by the time it's all said and done, it'll probably be somewhere around the half of what Grand Theft Auto Five sold, which is more than enough. That's yeah, so, that's still quite a lot of cash. Yeah, so I mean, it's just it's cool because some people were like, "Oh my god, I can't believe there's a new expansion for it with Red Dead right around the corner." Well, that's good. That's what they needed to do from a business perspective. It makes more sense, uh, and you know, like we say. Businesses are businesses. They're in it for the money in the long run, and they just hope they can also make you enjoy it while they're doing so. Uh, it's kind of the loop they try and pull. Make something that you like, you pay for it, they keep supporting it, and then they make something else you like, hopefully. Uh, let's see. Oh, for all my parental people on here, Paw Patrol on a roll is putting Chase on the case on consoles later this year. Uh, for any of our parents out there, like I said, comes out in October. So, you know, you want to have a nice crime thriller featuring the pups of Paw Patrol. I don't actually know what kind of game it is. I just think that, you know, I have Kyrie constantly, constantly talks about Paw Patrol. It's ridiculous. Uh, so maybe Josh's kids will appreciate that if they're still in that age. I don't know how long, I, I don't know to what age Paw Patrol stays cool for kids. You know, I'm not there yet. This is my first child. Only child, hopefully. Uh, WB have released a demo for Shadow of Mordor after releasing a huge update for the game. The update removes the marketplace from the game completely, streamlines the post-game Shadow Wars, adds Nazgul gear, which is pretty cool, Nazgul. Uh, anyway, increases the game's level cap, adds new skins, and also expands the Nemesis system with the ability for you to turn off... Um, what do they call them? I, I should have typed it in. The redeem or what is it? The redemption kills or whatever, where your orcs could come in and do a, a kill to save you. Um... Which is cool to see. I'm glad that they're putting... What should I say? I'm glad that it's getting done. I feel like it took a long time. You know, when you see games like Star Wars Battlefront doing yeah. their thing, where it's like, okay, they're trying to be as quick as possible. It took them a long time, too. Um, but they came out around similar times, and for this game to just now be getting a demo, mainly probably because they're trying to boost sales again. Now, I know that Blake said that he's been playing the game again. Looks like he's really enjoying it. It's a great game. I loved it. I didn't even think it launched that it had huge issues. It was more that it was falling victim by having a marketplace at all and having a little bit of stuff in there where it probably would have been better to not have it in there at all, where it was getting people... How should I say this? It was falling victim to people being in, in the outrage that existed around Star Wars Battlefront and 
all the other games that were having DLC or sorry, a microtransaction sprees at the time. So with it hitting that way, it makes sense that they are doing this, but I wonder how much of a sales impact it had. I actually didn't look at sales numbers on the game, but I wonder if it didn't sell as good as the first. Which is, yeah, I'm curious about too, because I know that there have been people that went back to it. And I actually know three or four people in real life that have. For me, I don't think I'm going to really. Well, did you buy it at launch? Two? Yeah. No. Okay, that's what I was saying. No, I I, I bought one like... On sale for ten dollars, way like three years. Or oh two yeah, years I love the first game. I mean, I love the second game. To be fair, I'm not. I'm not saying it in that sense, but they're both good games. But yeah, I, I've seen a bunch of people talking about going back to this or finally buying it since they're finally making the move they want, which is cool. Uh, Bullet Hell Roguelike into the Gungeon, like Saul talked about, is receiving a massive new expansion for free. Uh, it's called the Advanced Gungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Adds hundreds of new rooms, enemies, bosses, and a turbo mode that Saul needs to try out to test his skills. Mm-hmm. Need to do that on some streaming, too, so we can see how well you'll do. That would be fun. Actually, you know, that game is a really good streaming game, I it feel is. like. It's, it's a not a good let's too. play game because you're constantly having to redo stuff. Because I was thinking of that in my mind. It's like, you can't really let's play that because there's really no stopping point. It's eventually you're just going to die over and over again, and then you're going to stop, and that's it, or you're going to beat the game, and that could take hours. It'd be a one-off let's play, you know? Yeah, so that, yeah. yeah, I got you. And that would be maybe even a let's play that you'd actually want to go in and, and edit together. To yeah. kinda, that way it was, you know, you'd show, well, here's frustration of what it is. But uh, let's see. PlayStation had... Sign-ups available for the beta for update 6.0. Currently, and this is kind of odd because I want to say last time they did a beta, they actually did it to where they had some information about the update before the beta uh, enrollment, and then they came back and we're like, okay, well, now we're going to do beta enrollment. You already know a little bit about what it is. Do you want to be a participant? Uh, but they already did the thanks for that. We don't know anything about the update currently. Maybe we'll know before they choose uh, who they want to be in it. Uh, and hopefully you got in before enrollment closed. It was uh, pretty quickly closed. Uh, next up, and this is pretty big and pretty cool, and I think it signs potentially something great, but Horizon Zero Dawn developer Guerrilla is expanding and moving into a new five-floor office. The developers look to expand from its current 250 employees, or somewhere around there, to around 400, which might be might be indicative of growing uh, into a two-team developer, which would be awesome. Uh, this sounds reinforced, and this is part of why I think this, by director Herman Hulse saying that we have worked, and this is quote, we have worked at Horizon for six and a half years, which is exceptional. We want to release games in the two or three years, both new titles and games based on existing titles, end quote. To me, that sounds like potentially another new IP with the way he's wording it, Yeah, but that sounds crazy because... Well, I'm not going to say it sounds crazy. Maybe it would be something for PS5, but it sounds like, you know, or at least I constantly thought, right, do a second team, let there be a second team, do Horizon, which is going to be an uh, obligatory game, right? Right. And then do a Killzone game to act as a good, um, I wouldn't even do that. But anyway. um, okay. (laughs) I was thinking it looks better at least a little bit. uh, Um, But I would say that, you know, with the way that they pulled off Horizon, Obviously, great, but six and a half years is a long time to be working on a game. Now, of course, it was, you know the game's been out for a year, over a year now. So I'm, they're talking about throughout all the expansion and everything that they did. But when you think about that, you know, six years of game development on a game is a long time. Uh, the great thing about a second team, but also potentially the bad thing, is that you can bounce the game between the two, so you don't get fatigue on the on the IP between the teams. That way, they're not constantly working on the same game. Uh, you'd be able to kind of interweave out. But it almost sounds like instead of doing what I thought they would do, which was have a kill zone team. So because like, think, the reason I say that 
I expect a Killzone team is right right now. Sony doesn't have, and maybe they don't need, I'm not saying that they absolutely do, but I think it would be cool for them to have some kind of first-person shooter representation on their exclusives uh, catalog like they used to during the PS3 three days. Yeah, I'm not gonna they say had a number of them. I'm not saying it's necessary. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It's not required, but, but it would be nice to have. But here's the thing, right? It's not required, but what are all their games currently? It's that, and now, not a linear story game for the yeah, most part. They linear, need something to change Linear third-person games. Now, that's fine. It can be a linear first-person game. It's just that having that change gives your exclusive catalog a little bit more of a feeling, and again, it gives you that much more of a chance of someone going, oh, well, I don't want a PlayStation 4 because they don't have a lot of first-person shooter exclusives that I would really like, and I'd be missing out on that feeling uh, if I didn't go with Microsoft, right? Uh, whereas if you're somebody who loves third-person games like me, then of course this is great. But it's still one of those things where even I eventually am like, okay, well, I want to change the pace and I would like to play a first-person game. It's actually why I enjoy playing Call of Duty Black Ops 3. Because I'm like, well, if nothing else, it's just a change of pace from what I've been playing. So I think it would be cool to see them do that. But it also sounds like there's a chance that they want to work on another new IP alongside Horizon. Eh? Who knows? I would be all for it because that's, I mean, that's one of the things for me that's why it's uh, so fun to go back to Rocket League right now. And not only that, but why I've been playing a lot of Rainbow is because it's a really, really good, pretty much relaxation kind of thing. It's like, okay, I'm done. I'm done playing the story. I'm done absorbing all this. I'm going to turn on a podcast. I'm going to play Rainbow. I'm going to turn on a podcast and play uh, Rocket League. And I think it works out really, really so well. So where are you getting at that with the with the gorilla thing, out of curiosity? Uh, if they do make a first-person shooter of any kind and they have maybe a, even a multiplayer for it or even just... Then you can get lost in a new multiplayer. While yeah, most first-person shooters lend themselves to, fo- to being perfectly <laughs> fine to play uh, while you are listening to a podcast or, you know, not a lot of first-person shooters are really story-heavy. Well, now, here's my other side of that, right? The other reason I think it may be a first-person shooter and potentially kill zone, but maybe even a new IP, uh, is that there was some interviews about, you know, last month um, where Shu talked about um, how he was loving the fact that, you know, the first parties were being so... Um, embraced in, in such a great light and that they were doing so well, but that he wished that they had a better online aspect to their games. Like, you know, all of their games, they don't really have... And now, of course, they're the ones backing this single-player stories forever, right? Well, yeah, of course, and they have more than enough single-player games to have a couple of great online games. Now, of course, you have things like Gran Turismo, which are online and do well. Uh, not in the same extent as I would consider the Microsoft games to be, and, of course, other third-party games. Um Maybe even some Nintendo, when you think about the potential um, competitive scene for things like Smash and um, Squid, Squid Game. Yeah, Splatoon, yeah, thank Splatoon you. still has a crazy... Um, and that's what I mean. So, And I know that Splatoon had like a really blown-up competitive scene, uh, and I know that that was a big reason that they were kind of waiting, it looked like, on Splatoon 2 to come out before they started really pushing all their online stuff because they knew that was the game that was going to carry their online services. Um, so when you think like that, I kind of... I, I mean... It to me it seems like why not do a first person shooter that can have a really hopefully well done online component that you can really push on. Now I do think also The Last of Us had great online and actually the online had quite a bit of legs, so The Last of Us Two would be a game that would kind of exist in that space of okay. having a, a a really online heavy back end that they could kind of pull into. I didn't know this, but because I didn't really play the first one uh, in terms of multiplayer, but like apparently the first one had a lot of pay to win stuff in it. Yeah. 
I did. I remember that that's being a, crazy to me. I remember that being a big deal too. Uh, now I played a lot of it. I never bought anything, so it's not like I know exactly what it was. But I remember that being a common complaint. Yeah, that's um, weird. You so, wouldn't expect that from Naughty Dog, which I'm hoping if they put multiplayer in two, which I would assume so. No, popular, they've already talked about it. it. Will be in there. Okay. They have not talked about what it's going to be. So gotcha. Um, you know, gotcha. I mean, Uncharted 4's multiplayer did well for them too. So. I mean, it, it makes sense that they would keep going that route. Uh, let's see Absolver, free on PlayStation Plus uh, currently. So this news may entice you into downloading it if it wasn't something that you were thinking about downloading already or reinstalling it if it's something you've already had before. But it's receiving a free expansion similar to the... Man, what, what's crazy with all these free expansions? It's kind of odd. But uh, the expansion is called Downfall. It comes out this September. The update will add more to the campaign, a new fighting style called Phasian, which is a lot of people are excited for because... Uh, from what I heard from many a people, and then of course when I've been playing the game, I saw uh, the drunken monkey fighting style was dagger style. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was just it was that thing where it was like everybody was doing that, and it got overwhelmed. And, and Jonathan it, talked about it in the in the post game for sure. Like you know when yeah, you're just the, doing in PvP. the original release, yes. But it, there was it was really easy to counter. It just made the game more stale. Yeah, sure. Because we uh, got bored of it, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's what people were talking about is they've seen enough drunken monkey and all this to you know to tie them over for years to come. So hopefully this new thing will be something. That will break that up a little bit. Uh, let's see. It adds school challenges, which are 1v1 combat trials for players who have reached a disciple rank in the game. And new equipment, that swords, uh, armor gear. There's actually some pretty sweet-looking new armor. Uh, and I really, you know what? I like that game. I told Josh I need to come back to it. I think I'm aiming for... God, I can't remember what I said. I, if it was today, I'm sorry, Josh. Uh, or not Josh, I'm sorry, Richard. Uh, I told you I was going to come back and play it. I have to figure that out. Grandpa's gotten put in the hospice and a lot of things changed so sorry about that in case today was the day but i think it was next week so we will figure that say, out considering this airs on monday <clears throat> unless you're talking about monday specifically well no i, I originally talked to him on uh, twitter about it uh, about saturday or monday about playing some point in time i don't know if it was well, I'll say if it's saturday he's gonna be about three days too late almost yep so i'll just two, say depending on how you look at the world <laughs> sorry now uh getting it out there uh next up south park the fractured buttholes receiving its bring the crunch dlc on july 31st bringing my favorite mint berry crunch into the mix uh the dlc adds a new story campaign with the boys at a summer camp at lake tardikaka when suddenly camp counselors start going missing the dlc will be 1199 um so that's pretty cool. I mean, July 31st, that's coming up quick. It almost makes me wish I wouldn't have sold the game because I did. Because um, that actually sounds like it may be mildly fun. I'm not normally one to go back for DLC. I'm trying to see that in myself and go back to games that I really loved. And even though I didn't think the Fractured But Hole was quite as magical and, and I don't know, there's something about the Stick of Truth that just stuck with me more than this game, but it was still a great game and I loved it. I had that conversation with someone the other day. Uh, lastly... In a almost poetic turn of events, Nathan Fillion did not return to record his lines for Destiny 2's upcoming The Forsaken DLC, uh, or expansion. Uh, Nolan North instead took up the role that will see Cade 6 killed off for good. It's apparently been a big deal about what they're trying to show off uh, with the Forsaken stuff, which is interesting. And the reason I say it's almost poetic is that what do we see? We see the inverse happening with... Nathan Fillion taking on doing the uh, performance for a character that Nolan North is normally known for in Nathan Drake when they did uh, the short, uh, what do you want to call it? I guess a short movie that they did on YouTube that came out that we talked about in last week's uh, was going to be coming. That was fantastic, first of all, really good. Uh, so it's just one of those weird things where it's the timing's very odd on this, but coming out that way is interesting. What I think is I feel like Nolan North can get close enough to Nathan Fillion where I don't care. 
and it's not noticeable. That's if I even play it. I'm not committed to playing it yet. Yeah. But you know, if you go back, it's one of those things. Where it's like, how weird is that going to be? Definitely with Ghost still being uh, Nolan North. You know. So wait a second here. Hold on. I'm sorry. Our Discord Saul's chat. disengaged on that. He, he's disengaged on this Discord chat. I, I want to give a shout out to our boy Shoko slash Shiriko, who finally got a platinum in oh, Monster Hunter World. 840 <laughs> hours. I thought it was 810. No, there's a, there's a 30. There's a oh, 30, yeah, 31 yeah. above it. You're right. As a total. God, man. And then, that and, is ridiculous. And then my boy Casey just... Casey. There I go again. Corey said that he got the platinum for uh, Final Fantasy fourteen in less than 100 hours. I'm like, wait. Good for him. <laughs> I'm like, I, I think you're mixing up 15, my boy. Um, but I guess we'll move into reader mail uh, since that's all said and done. Speaking about Nathan Fillion, uh, we do have two questions. I'm going to go ahead and interlope into one question because it's uh, they're fairly similar, but there's some there's some twists. We have Sean One Neo wanting to know or say, I'm sure this goes without question, but I hope you share your hopes and dreams on the idea of an Uncharted movie starring Nathan Fillion. Now to to go on with this because these two questions, like I said, are fairly fairly similar. Stefan says, it goes without saying that we all want Nathan Fillion to play Drake, but what are your thoughts on the other actors cast in the film? Lang is a great actor, but did he feel like Sully to you? But as, uh, Because as Elena's actor, I was not convinced. What other actors do you want? So I thought this was interesting because I think we can both agree that the Uncharted short was absolutely amazing. It, Nathan Fillion nailed Nathan Drake to it. We said that for years now. Like I think, that- dude, I have said that literally since I've watched Firefly and then played. When I watched Firefly, and I guess to some extent, Doctor Horrible sing along because he has a, he has that snarky, yeah, really sarcastic, sarcastic attitude, attitude in, in both of those, uh, and a lot of the times. But my thing is, when you see both of those, right? As soon as I saw, and then of course his facial his facial features and everything about him, but it's I was like, perfect. a. And now this is one of those rare t- times, right, where there's a, there just happens to be a real-life actor who not only looks like the character from the game, but also has done countless roles where we know that his natural personality lends himself well to the character at hand. Yeah. Now, that's a rare thing that doesn't normally happen that easily. So there's a couple things I want to say about that. Because make sure I'm hearing the questions right. You're, he's saying... Sure. So Sean was wanting to know just our general overall thoughts and uh, dreams of the idea of an Uncharted movie starring him. And then okay. and then Stefan wants to know who we would... Uh, did, did we like the actors that played the, uh, the characters represented in the short movie and who we would choose other than them? So pretty much very similar in the same plane okay. of a question. So where I want to go with that, because I think it's a great question, but it's a question that has a lot of wiggle room in my mind, and it'll probably change constantly, and I don't even have a real answer right now. And the reason is, is that, okay, like I said, Nathan Fillion being this so oddly perfect casting, right? Oh, Gore. Oh, what's going on here? Oh, okay. I'm trying to, think of an trying to find name. your actor? Okay, there but, we go. Who is this for? Elena. Really? You don't think that looks somewhat like Elena? Not for, Am I seeing this? You're seeing it like a Dark weird. hair? I don't know. Maybe it's no, just the blonde that's not hitting me. I need to see the, the blondness of it. But, okay. I'd be okay yeah. with it. I'd be okay with it. I can't think um, of her name. But here's the thing, right? Here, here's the thing about it. Like we said, this is there's there's two things about this. The fact that he was in such an interesting position to play this role and be perfect at it is rare. It's never going to happen. Or it's not going to happen commonly or often. You're just not going to get that lucky. Sony sometimes makes bad movie decisions. Well, yeah, but I mean, th- let's take away from a movie. Let's just talk about what happened here, right? So he's saying that uh, Lang was, you know, Lang was there as Sully. Here's the thing. He wasn't bad. 
He wasn't bad. Burt Reynolds would have been better. Here is the problem. Well, no, no, the, the problem with it specifically is that because games have crossed, you know, definitely Uncharted. Uncharted is one of the forefront games that really pushed the technological and graphical envelope to try and present the most realistic characters you can, right? right. And me spending so much time with them across not only one Uncharted, but five Uncharted's, if you really think about it, uh, with the way everything goes. When you think about that, man... Oh, Lord. I'm trying to do Roman numerals in my head. <laughs> uh, but we, when you think about that, I have, I've had five Uncharted games specifically with Nate and Sully and Elena in four of four, them. So yeah. you know, when you're going over that... Three of them, right? Or was she in... No, um, she's, she's not in Golden Abyss and there's four Uncharted games. So, Okay, I guess that makes sense. That's but, what, yeah, that's so, what but my point being... I was, the, I was you I thought spend, you were on Lost Legacy. Yeah, there. when you spend that much time uh, across these characters that already look photorealistic to you and continue to push to the point where definitely in Uncharted 4, I felt like I was looking at the real people. Yeah. You know, it's like it's one of those things. So, and then, so you can't be replaced. You get, to, you get well. to this point where it's almost like a. It, so it's an, almost an, like an, a an Uncharted, action movie. An Uncharted movie is going to happen. Of course. Well, I, or I'm, at least. If, if Sony, unless something crazy happens, Sony will continue to try and do this Uncharted movie until it just... I don't even... I can't think of an out. There's been so many times that it should have fallen apart and they just rewrite the script and cast a new actor. And, you know, at one point in time, Mark Wahlberg. No. See, dude, this is what I'm talking about with Sony and some of their movie decisions. Like, but I, I'm with sense. you. I'm with you. But see... It's one of those things. Even where, Tom Holland. So th- this is like I said. This is a special case where they have a perfect. And now, if from a story perspective, right? We were talking about what we want to see in the story from it. I think that following what Uncharted Four was aiming for and going for this older Nate, who has he's having to deal with the fact that this is the life he's loved and done for so long, but he's also at the point in his life where he should be turning away from it because he's getting too old to the point where it's hard for him to do some of these things. I think that's a great play Four did that uh, really well in a certain number of areas and then kind of took focus away from it in ways that I felt, I wish that they wouldn't have. The reason I think it's such a great fit is that there's something cool about the dynamic of having someone who's always been able to do all these crazy things and escape death so many times, but the older and older he gets and the worse he gets at being able to, to adapt and manip- and like adapt to the situations at hand and do the physical and mental maneuvers that have to happen to keep himself alive in these events. They get stressful. It, it starts the, the real fear of death can start to come. Now that somewhat goes away from what Uncharted started as, but four got itself there to an extent. And they were really trying to do that. You know, they, they did that wordplay in the whole thing, the whole game, like definitely before it came out is thieves end. Is Drake going to die in this game? And, you know, it's one of those crazy things where playing off of that is a really cool way to get people more emotionally invested. Cause you're like, Oh man, there's something weighty here. The Indiana Jones movies, you know that he's not going to die, you know? And now the, the movies are meant to be, I mean, the games were meant to be kind of a, a, a parallel and an analog to the Indiana Jones, but in a game form. So coming back over into a movie form, I actually don't feel like they should go with that style where it's, you know, of course, no one's going to actually die. They're always going to get out of it. Having some real sense of weight behind it would be really cool. But with the actors, it gets to the point where I can't think of anyone other than, I can't think of his name, Richard McGonagall or something, whatever, is the guy who plays Sully. I could be way off on the name on that. If I am, uh, just chastise me online. It doesn't matter. Are you talking about, <sighs> the, are you talking about the short that just came out? No, 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 the real Sully. Oh, okay. I'm like, what? See, I think 
to answer your question, I think Roseman Pike would be a good Elena. And I think Yeah, older, Richard McGonagall. That's it, so I was right on the name. Uh for the actual uh person who does the ma- the motion capture. And actor. tell me tell me Burt Reynolds couldn't replace him in live action. Well, here's my thing, right? There's a voice that goes along with this character. Exactly. And that's then they that's did something... as, even Lang did the best he could. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, if they made that into a full mini series or whatever where it was just episode by episode or into a movie, I would be happy with it. It's not necessarily what I think is Maybe the prime casting. He felt like a good enough solely. I will agree that Elena just didn't feel right. There was like, she lacked this charisma that I feel like Elena normally has. So, I mean, I'll say that on that front, I do feel like another Elena could be cast. But like I said, if they move forward with exactly what they have now, I would be perfectly fine with it. I actually really hope that this somehow gets some kind of a mini series off the ground. Yeah, I hope it does what Deadpool does <laughs> and uh, it starts. Well, there's that. But I also think that Uncharted works more. Not as a movie, but as a series, right? Because the games are normally in the 12 to 15 hour length thing. And if you do me a season of a show where you can really know, take though. this story arc and, and really have fun with it. I think I think the short deserve... is like, what, 15 to 20 minutes long? Somewhere I think in that it's 21 minutes area? long. So if it's 20 minutes long, let's just say it is. Um, think about even 10 episodes of that. You know, it, it's easier to set things up and try and call back. I mean, but you could do that across 12 episodes and you could do a more satisfying arc. But this also comes back to a bias I've said where I actually prefer long form TV um, over movies. I feel like movies would have to try and condense to the point where I you would the, lose something the intrinsic. Budget, the budget is what you get there. You get a little mm-hmm. bit lesser. I say a little bit. Depending on the series, you get a lot less quality. Uh, in, in terms of what? Show. A series? Yeah. Well, yeah, but if Sony really wanted to step behind it, they could do it. A and uh, A and E or whoever. I will eat my shoe. Uh, what's not A and E? What is it? AMC is that the people who did Walking um, Dead and Breaking Bad? Breaking Bad had was great. Now I will say though, there's not mm-hmm. a lot of partial effects to Breaking Bad, which they could do with Uncharted. Yeah, you no, so you, you don't have to do much with Uncharted. Yeah, yeah, you could do. I mean, explosions every now and then, but you see, uh, you see uh, all of the um, Indiana Jones movies, which heavily inspired Unchar- Uncharted to begin with, they worked fine as movies. But I know Uncharted's a little bit different. But they they do, but again, they're shorter. Stories. And I think that, to, I mean, I don't know. I think there's an argument both ways. I just think that a series would do better. But that's a great question and a very fun question. I, I mean, if you have not watched that short yet, go watch it. It's amazing. Uh, Nathan Villian's great, even with the age he has. He just, he really embodies Drake in every way I wanted him to. Yeah, I, 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 we've been saying that for years now about how good he would be. 14 minutes long. I was off on a 21-minute mark. I thought okay. for some reason it was long. I, see, I thought 15, but... But, yeah, so uh, our last question of the day, thank you guys for answering that, is from Richard Rivero, and he wants to know what games make us nauseous. I think we've talked about this briefly before, and I don't think Brett had one, right? Never have. See, Uh, But Blaze, just for quick, uh, you know, quick story time, Blaze had hell, and... I didn't, but maybe I will with a new one. Who knows? Uh, but Blaze had hell with two games in particular. Uh, one was um, Mirror's Edge on PlayStation 3. Really? Uh, something about the way that the game utilized motion blur across its thing yep. and the first-person perspective and a real shaky camera messed with him. Uh, and he wanted to enjoy the game and just couldn't. Ended up having to return it because of that. Uh, and then the second game was Talos Principle, actually. And I think that some of that came from the fact that he was playing it on his PC and he didn't want to use a, a frame limiter so instead of locking it at 30 or 60 which probably would have gave him a much more fluid experience he was having like from 144 to like 80 frames per second changes so the screen tearing though well aside from screen tearing he mentioned specifically oh make it comfortable uh he mentioned specifically as the fact that the game felt almost too quick and too fluid which is something i actually think 
And I think to an extent you get that from the sense that I think it came from the fact that he was changing frames, so he didn't have a real steady frame rate. So even though he couldn't visually tell what it was, I think it was something about his brain being like, the sense like of a roller coaster. The sense of time of what's going on to what you're doing and how that's changing because changing. of the frame rate that's why I'm, is making it feel unfluid. Right. V-Sync Master Race. That's yeah. why all games should include a frame rate cap, and I can cap that at 60. And well, and now, of course, options. And, and the game has the option. Blaze was just trying to be Mr. Super PC and be like, uh, look, my computer could do 236 frames I could per do, second. If I could do 144 hertz or whatever, then yeah. But <clears> um, it's locked there. It's not, it's not going to fluctuate, or I'm not going to run it there. Um, for me though, uh, I think I mentioned this before is that, uh, PlayStation all-stars made me like had m- massive motion sickness and I don't know what it was. PlayStation all-star, the, the smash game. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it was. I thought I've told you that before, but I guess not. Maybe you um, did and I've just forgotten. That's... But yeah, that game gave me mas- uh, motion sickness and then VR rigs, uh, gave me, uh, motion sickness. Okay. Yeah. The but elevator. that one, that it, makes sense. And it wasn't even really motion sickness. It was stomach dropping, which in turn made me nauseous. Yeah, of course. But, but it was that feeling of, I should, up real I should quick. be moving and I'm yeah, not moving. Yeah. It was that elevator feeling, but you're not. Now I will say this. Moving. There is something about it that's like, oh man, VR is a little serious. Because, like, even though I know that you have your own thoughts about VR, and we've talked about those episodes past, I do think that to an extent, that's that's an endorsement in the fact that it's an undeniable endorsement in the fact that VR, when done right, can really have a really oddly, uh, a really oddly immersive effect on your body. Oh yeah, for sure. So, like, like that's why. Um, what was it called? The uh, Until Dawn VR game. Oh yeah. Um, Rush of Blood. Yeah, that, the roller coaster scene on that was kind of cool because when you would go down real quick on the roller coaster, even though it wasn't like a massive roller coaster, you know, your stomach kind of rolled over a little bit. Yeah. It was kind of cool. Sure, yeah, sure. But uh, I guess we'll move on to the main topic of this episode in which keeping games secret. This week has been really slow on news, and there's been a couple uh, websites that have done articles on this with Hideo Kojima, and I, I'm going to pull off my source from Gamer Rant just because that's one of the ones that uh, I've gotten lot, like reliable information from in the past. But basically, he goes on into an interview about why he's keeping the game secret. And to quote him, he says that it's like a math problem where knowing the answer is not that important. The important thing is the process of getting the answer. And then, of course, he goes on to say even further in the interview that... uh, I'm going to look at this. I don't want to take away the most uh, part of fun from players, which is, of course, talking about the lead up to the game and playing the game itself. Instead of finding out about too much of it, in itself, in promotional material and in marketing, and uh, I'll link this article in the uh, description below when I do timestamps on Monday for you guys. Uh, it's a really good article, and Kojima hit some pretty, pretty good um, spots in there. In which there is a point in which marketing and even just the general livelihood of the games we live in now, with games being revealed two, three years before the release date, we just see way too much of a game before it comes out. And I think that depending on the type of game. You can get away with it like Hideo does. He gets away with a lot of stuff, and I am saying that in the uh, nicest way possible because I'm a huge Hideo Kojima fanboy. But that's one of the things that I think works really, really well for Until Dawn. We've seen it now. We just need a release date. And I could care less at how we would get a release date. Until Dawn. Did I say Until Dawn? Death Stranding. I got, okay. that, got that rush of blood in my head right now. From the, what we're talking I mean, about I will earlier. say this because so it's funny that you bring up Until Dawn because this is actually one of those weird examples of where Until Dawn uh, surprised people because the game did not get shown that much, um, no. and it was one of those things where it was very it got remade. <clears throat> it got re- really loosely 
It didn't really get a lot of time from them. I think it was at Gamescom back in 2012 or 13, I guess it was. Maybe even 14. Um, <clears throat> but that was like when the re-announcement re happened from it being a move PS3 title uh, and now coming over to be a traditional PS4 game. Um, and what made it so interesting in, in talking about what he's talking about here, right, is that because the game did not get a lot of media time, and because Sony didn't have this big marketing push behind it, a lot of people didn't see it or know anything about it. So when you get the game and you don't have any idea of what the potential could be, you kind of just buy it on a whim and you play it. When it ends up being great, there's like that much more of an effect on it. Cause it's like, right. well, I didn't even expect this. That's, and that's now what, Kojima's a little different. Yeah. Kojima's a lot different <laughs> because Kojima has an expectation behind him. Yeah. Right. He does. And that also sparks more conversation because when someone with as much expectation behind behind him doesn't release information, to a big extent, it's like, whoa, what's going on? Because what I'll say is that he already did this to an extent, right? PT came out, and he wanted PT to be this big thing where people had to play it and all work together in order. Stupid fly. <laughs> anyway, they had to play it and work together online to get all these things out so they could figure out what it was, which gave them an idea of Silent Hills. Well, Silent Hills is still going to be a reboot and this big change, and there was no way to know how the game was going to play. So there was mystery behind it while still knowing, okay, this is going to be a horror game where the main aspect is going to be moving around between things. And we didn't know how it was going to be played either. People were saying that it's going to be first person. Some, Some people were saying it was going back to a third person. Yeah. So, yeah, my, my that's my point is that He's he's had a long history of doing this, right? And now I I will say openly, I've been one to criticize the fact that he's given no real idea of what the game's going to be. And the only reason I say that is it's a catch-22, right? Whenever you have a game like Death Stranding, you don't know you have, you have, about You it. have two sides, right? You have, you have Kojima attached to it, which automatically means that the game is going to have some level of success just from name recognition alone. Yep, I, I uh, agree. Now, that's one of those things. Now, I am curious to see how many people end up not even liking the game, uh, and they only get it because Kojima's name's attached to it. I'm not saying there's going to be a big amount, but there's a potential for there to be people who go into the game, and it's so different than what he's done in the past, and maybe it is, maybe it isn't, I don't know, um, where it has the chance of them getting it, it being so different and then them being like, oh, this isn't what I wanted from him, nor do I really enjoy this, and it having a, a negative effect there. But at the same time, there is a surprise to that, right? They get to pop it in and go, I don't know, because uh, when I say there's two sides, it's like there's the expectation that comes with Kojima, but there's also the complete lack of expectation that should be there because we don't know anything about the game. Right. So it's like a, you go into it, and it's, people are going to be disappointed that they didn't like a Kojima game, but at the same time, they're not going to be disappointed because they didn't really know what they were signing up for in the first place. I think from what we've got, And that's if they keep it as tight-lipped as they've been, which well, it sounds like they're going there's to. There's quite a lot of information just, to, just derived from the trailers we've gotten that pretty much have an idea of what we're doing. I'm sure there's going to be one last trailer to give you a taste of actual gameplay so you know what you're going to get in for. But other than that, I absolutely love the fact of how he'll, like well-hidden the story is because we have games like God of War in which I think we basically had to stay radars down for God of War for a while because just on YouTube, you'd see spoilers and thumbnails and such. Now, and to be fair, and, and that's, they're, they're, that's talking about somewhat different things, right? So well, I, one I thing that happened it to not wanting to find out more about a game. <laughs> I don't know what just my laptop just did. Yeah, well. uh, I was relating it to not wanting to find out more about a game versus being forced to find out about a game unexpectedly. Yeah. And so the, you're talking about the fact that in God of War, now what I'm just trying to figure out with God of War, you're talking about how post God of War, uh, I'm talking about how with the release of God of War, you pretty much were like, if you weren't careful enough, like Ryan doing, um, uh, not buzzwords, uh, 
Oh yeah, no, uh, filters on Twitter to filter out words. There's there's an element of being forced to see this information, and then there's there's an element of marketing the too much information. And I think that there's a weird side to both of them. But on the marketing now, side, now Sony did great on the marketing on God of oh, War. That's where I want to say that's what that's what that's my parallel. Yeah, I'm they making. actually did a great that's, great job on that because there was a lot of things about God of War that you did. Everything they showed in the promotional stuff was like from the first fourth of the game. Right, and that's very interesting the, way to do it while also selling what the game is going to that, be. That's the parallel I'm making is in which there's a company companies can easily be the opposite side of the coin, which forces you to know too much about the game instead of the community. Oh, the fly is just, just attacking us right now. But um, like Days Gone, I feel like we've seen a lot of Days Gone. I don't want to see anymore. I do not care to see anymore. I don't care to see the little 30-minute segment they did on IGN or GameSpot. Or Game Informer, wherever they did IGN. it, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, it was Game Informer. You're right. I'm sorry. It, yeah. it was Game Informer. But uh, I think that that and that that's kind of a weird marketing culture we live in right now, in which well, it's been a thing this year, right? I mean, no, it's been a thing for like past two years. Well, yeah, but I mean, definitely this year we've seen Game Informer have one month coverage on a number of games, and actually a lot of them have been Sony games. Weirdly enough, which which is good for the people that want it. I just think that for phones falling out of my pocket. Uh, for the people that want it, that's fine and everything, but then the people who want it often cannot or do it on purpose. They'll just go and spoil what they saw and all that stuff. And I know that some people who try to stay out of the dark, they start, they try to stay pitch black. And like, but some people didn't want to know. Well, you have to, you have to be vigilant. Creation. Yeah, you have to yeah. be vigilant. And it's, and, and it's kind of interesting. Depending on the game, like Hellblade for me, I tried to stay as dark as I could. I didn't want to watch any of the developer di- uh, developer diaries. I wanted to stay 100%. And I was pleasantly surprised at the experience of what, the game. Here's what's crazy about that. I watched the developer diaries. Didn't really change the experience. And I'm not willing to take the risk. Yeah, and and I was surprised that it didn't change the experience. I'm not, I'm not willing to take that risk at all. But the developer, di- the, the developer diaries covered like a two-year period, so they, right. were, they were very odd to sit there and watch. And um, I'm trying to think. There has been like there's been a lot of games now we've just seen too much of. Like Honestly, Spider-Man... They could they could have kept the, the old Sinister Six thing a little quiet, and I yeah, think that would have been I fine. I think that Marvel is partially responsible. No, yeah, Marvel for is that. definitely responsible for that because of the the but, um, you know, promotion here, Marvel always. Now plays. here's the other side though, right? It's not always. I mean, and of course the, the the people have to say something about it, but then you also have a mixture of of things, right? You also have people, and this is where it kind of gets into like a. I feel two different ways about it because to an extent, I feel like Jason Schreier, who who's noted known for coming out and talking about what games are and what to expect from them uh, before they even are announced and leaking games and, and leaking them in yeah, full extent. That's, that's to an those... extent, that kind of ruins, right? There, right. there would have been, if he would not have said anything about Fallout, Fallout 76. 4. Fallout 4. Well, Fallout 4 as well, but Fallout 76 more more recently and more notably in the fact that... Uh, oh, yeah, his we, inside information. He was stuff. like, well, it's an online game. Uh, and it's going to be online, and don't expect it to be what you've seen in the past. And the thing is, is it gave people time to get mad about that without even seeing what Bethesda had out yeah. about it. And it and it also took away from the people who don't care about the fact that it's online. It took away that that hit that would have happened if all this time they were like Fallout seventy six from the the Twitch stream that uh, Bethesda did, and then on E three they were like, oh yeah. It's all online, and here's how it works, and here's how it does this. And they go, holy crap, what? That punch was gone. Right. Because two things. Jason Jason did his job as a reporter, realistically, and got some information and reported on it, right? There's real journalism to be said about that, and that's an interesting thing to do. But the flip side of that is that not only did he spoil something for the people who read him, what happens the rest of the internet and the, the rest of the way that gaming media works means that everybody took that that information, made their own article, referenced his article, exactly. and then went on about and it. So what happens within a matter of three to four hours, everybody knows. the entirety of the internet 
And that's that's all I was saying earlier is that you take you know some people maybe try to stay quiet on Days Gone or whatever, and then there are people going to watch the trailer and then just casually bring it up on the internet, and that's where it gets ruined. And I think that's where I wouldn't say as I wouldn't go as far and say that a lot of these marketing companies that help them with what the material they put out with and advise them, I think some of them should be held accountable in senses of ruining games. There's not, and like I said, there's nothing you can really do about that. Like you can't sue them. Oh, they spoiled Death Stranding ending for me. Like but who, the only thing you could do is support or not support them by with your wallet. Like don't go to their website and give them clicks or ad views <laughs> and stuff like that. Because right now, these past three years, I'd go ahead and say, I'd go ahead and say, yeah, three years back 2015, with what we've seen so far and what hasn't came out yet, we're just seeing the same games, and we're seeing too much of them. And Well, see, but Death Stranding's in that to an extent. We're an seeing extent, the yeah. same game, and we're seeing too much of it, and that's what I think is interesting about Death Stranding, is that it's somewhere in between we're seeing too much of it, but not enough of it at the same time. We're right. seeing, we see the game more times than we should have, in my opinion, but we still don't know no, anything about, anything about think, the game. And that's what's cool about it, in my opinion, is that like, it's a, yeah, I mean, that's I'll what's give it, unique about it. It is unique, because most people would not go this route, right. but he's afforded that because he's Kojima, who's so getting out of the middle of it. Yeah, Kojima <clears> gets away with a lot of things. And I but think, there is something about that. The other part is, like, like I say, so games like God of War. What I thought you were talking about earlier was that God of War actually broke street date in a couple areas, or people actually got their hands on the game early and were posting stuff. And I know a number of people stuff. who accidentally stumbled across it thinking it was actual uh, promotional material, which obviously promotional material is normally not going to aim to spoil. No. So they thought, that, oh, okay, I can watch it, and then they got spoiled. Exactly. Uh, and there's... Or those uh, assholes on YouTube who put uh, the thumbnails as the spoiler. Like, oh, God. Like, I promise you. That game, and because that scene was so important to me, I have been so mad, and they have talked to so many people. Seth, right? Seth, Saul's brother, is just now getting around to playing God of oh, War. Oh, no. All right? And I kept telling him, I was like, there's something big that's coming up, but I don't want to tell you, and I don't know if you've already gotten it spoiled for you. And he was like, I don't know. So he finally got there today, and he texted me. And he goes, is it this? And I was like, yeah. yeah. And he was like, oh, my God. And I was like, I didn't know if you had it spoiled for you. He's like, I didn't. Good. I was like, thank, thank God. Because yeah. you know how many places I have seen that I was like, if you just – if, if Seth would have scrolled past it and took two seconds to look at, that part would have been ruined. No, dude, I'm telling you, I almost had the game ruined for me by, but because I was literally watching a podcast on YouTube, not related to games at all, and then one of the thumbnails in the related bar was The Last Boss. Now, it was the first form of The Last Boss, if you think about what I'm saying, of the big, the big thing. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Um, and I was like... What what game is? That? Oh no! Scroll back and like I remember I was like now I sit there and I thought in my head of like what was that like what did I see, and I'm trying to piece together in my head of like anytime I see something similar to that in a game I'm like okay this is it until the end and I'm like oh this oh this is it okay I was still surprised I wasn't spoiled really um, but I will say though that like the way the way some games are doing I know they are ruining it for some people. And not always in terms of spoilers, more so in terms of fun. Because now we know that Days Gone is a motorcycle riding game in which you're a single player open world map. And then you go around and you can craft all kinds of cool things and kill hordes and hordes of zombies. Kept, keep some of that secret. Like, I, I honestly don't think they should have shut off the hordes. The hordes are really, really cool in my opinion because no zombie game does it like that. They should have saved that. They should have saved that for when you're playing and you're like, oh, there's three or four zombies. Oh, there's like six, eight, no, ten, twelve. What is going on? And they're chasing you. It would have been a shock factor. So I agree, but here's where I'm going to have to play devil's advocate, right? Right. The one thing specifically about exclusives is that, and we've said this in a number of different ways about different things. It's funny that we keep coming back to it, but the devil's advocate part you have to play here is that these are exclusives. Exclusives are made primarily 
because yes, they have the potential to make the company who make the money, which is always a good thing when that does happen. But more often than not, they're made to showcase the hardware and make you want to buy their hardware so they get you in on their ecosystem. Oh no, I right? understand. So I, here, I here's the problem, fully. right? They, they want to show off how cool the game. You is. want to show it off. You want when when it comes to exclusives, you have to ride a weird thin line about showing off enough that would get people interested and maybe get people who previously hadn't owned a PlayStation to buy this, or who have previously di- ducked out of the PlayStation ecosystem, maybe potentially pull them back in. I don't think a, uh, a exclusive like Days Gone is going to do it for people though. I still well, I still maybe, think maybe there's not. a big zombie maybe not, but it's still on. an exclusive, and it, you have to run this. You have to run this weird thing in your head of how much risk do I want to put about putting too much out there and giving people no surprise when they play the game. Which, of course, the story will still be a surprise, but there is something to be said about mechanical surprises. Right. You know, and, and that's like we, we talk about God of War, right? That was what made God of War so cool. I didn't think that. that From what happen. they show me, well, not even that. I mean, mo- mechanically, in a lot of ways, it I didn't was, think the game was going to be that deep. Yeah. Um, uh, and, 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 and it became interesting. Another to see. good example is, is The Last of Us 2 with the Ellie Kiss scene. And I don't think that's a spoiler because that's been on E3 for the past, you know, two months now or almost two well, months. Well, no, no, yeah. I'm, and, I wouldn't uh, consider that a spoiler. It is what it is. But, like, that would have been much more of an emotional and better experiencing cussing to see in the game, I think, instead of in the trailer. And I think that I know that, I know why they kind of put that in the trailer uh, just to kind of show you that she does have somebody she loves and, it's, and that it's she cares there. about. And what's interesting is that it, it, can be it, taken it away. shows that she's grown to having someone else outside of just Joel. Right. And I, I, I do think, though, that like that would have been a better kind of reveal, not reveal moment, but more of a kind of like vibe in the game of like, oh, is that is that her, is that a girlfriend? Like, who is that? Who is that? Is that is it, like that's not her sister? Is it? Well, who is this? It's the girl from trailer. No. Here, here, now, here's what I think. I, she ain't buff. Who's that? <laughs> here, here's what I'll say about that in particular. Right. The way that I think I would have approached that. In terms of, not, and this has nothing to do because you know everybody's up in arms about the stupid kiss scene. Doesn't matter to me personally. Right, whatever. Yeah, it's, if, if it matters to you for whatever reason you have, if it's a good reason to you, she's, whatever. She's gay. It's but my, but my point being, Get over it. Here's where I would have rolled with it, right? Because we already know. It's no surprise. We've already had it, and unless you just haven't played the thing, which it, it was a no shock. Sp- it was a every- shock to me what you're going to say because I not, I had repl- I never played the the the, the, the lost, left behind. Yeah, lost, lost, I keep someone to say lost, but, but still okay. That's, but that's it's been known for in, in terms of in the universe. This isn't something that, they, and I know a lot of people who said this. This is not something that they forced with this game. This is something that they already had in their mind and referenced a couple of times in, in a really small way in the Last of Us, and then really capitalized on in Left Behind, um, which was goes, the DLC. It goes back uh, to The Last of Us 1 with Bill. People still think Bill's gay. So, like, this actually runs deeper than just Ellie. Is Bill, that where Bill you were is going? gay. No, but, oh, has that been but, confirmed? Yes. Okay, I've never seen it confirmed. Yes. And actually, I remember talking to there was stuff about, about it. it. The actor who played him is the one who decided that he was going to be gay. Uh, they were like, well, I feel that, like there's something else going a, on here. That's unusual right? for a character. Which is interesting because the guy was saying, well, it feels like there's something more between these two characters. Like Originally, they were just supposed to be two people. That's weird. I don't want to get too much into but it. Yeah. But my point being with that, the way I think I would have taken the information that we got given to us, right, and rolled with it in a way that I still feel like would have let you have that emotional scene whenever, like, in the context of the story too, right, is that you could have done that entire scene with everything but the kiss yeah. for one reason. You surprising. Could, you could like, no, 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 you, you could imply a relationship in a number of ways without ever doing the one thing that confirms it. Right? Right. They could have they could have started the thing off so that you know the scene the way it goes is that she's in this dance. I mean they could have just looked up each other and cut. Exactly. And, that and look, cool. they, they were already dancing with each other. Yeah. They were already looking at each other and having some obvious nods of like, oh wait, is this romantic? Right. And, and that, then have I, it to where they look up, cut to the scene of everything that they showed gameplay wise, and then come back. And they, you know what I mean? They, they could have done it the way where you're like, 
I feel like that was there for a reason. Now, of course, I get their reason, right? There's an emotional attachment and an anchor here that has something to do where Ellie has something to lose. And you assume that what they are showing here in this gameplay scene happens after this, right? And then this is somehow looping back into this. You don't think that this is something that's already happened. This is like cutting off the future events. Oh, really? And I, I actually I, got the exact opposite. I don't vibes. think so. I, thought I feel like happened. this is early game. I feel like this is the beginning and that you're seeing what's going to come and that maybe this kiss has something to do with the fact that this is speculation. Oh, wait, on. never mind. I, okay, I am on your side. I thought you were saying that the kiss is late. No, okay, no, no, no. The kiss you. happens first and then you, you. you, these are, it, it broke off to events of like, saying, okay. this is going to happen and I think that the kiss is going to have something to do with all with the main part of the story anyway um so oh where's my boy toy joel at <laughs> i need joel like i, I just i want to see what happens with joel i'm, I'm but i think that would have been a good another good thing just like in the first trailer it showed joel for a second and he said ellie that was it that's all he said and you're just like was that a ghost like what's going on here like your brain starts going wild because you're not given that too much information they could have sat there and gone on and on and on and then you know she looks up and she's like i'm gonna kill them all or whatever she says yeah it's like perfect right there you, you didn't I, see again, any, you vague didn't, and it gives you it gives you enough did you information? Even see joel's face nope i didn't think so nope and that's why people were saying he's dead uh i mean i don't know that i agree i think that it would be an interesting twist but i mean six cents style thing. yeah joel I mean, was never there or really you know it'd be something kind of like what batman did um I don't want to get into that. It's technically spoiler territory That's for Arkham Knight. That's very spoiler territory. Um, so my point, even... my point being that there are ways in the, the first Last of Us trailer found the way to get me pulled in without giving me too much information. We didn't see her killing him. We didn't see Joel's face. We didn't see her. We we were given just enough to go, wait, what? Yeah. Like and he, I thought it was a really cool off. opening and definitely for a first trailer, right? That was a really cool teaser way to do that. The second trailer had me asking a lot of questions like, whoa, who, who are this? these people? Yeah. Who, are the, who are the two the people? Right? Was who bad. are these two Asian, I, I thought it was good. I thought it was really good. I thought it was bad. good because I was like, who are it, these it, two Asian people? They obviously look like they're, they're part of some group, maybe a cult, maybe a religious group, maybe a ethnic, you know, maybe like a, does this take place somewhere else? The, the second the second trailer is bad for the same reason I was saying that um, I'm hoping Joel's in it in somewhat because I miss Joel and Ellie. And that second trailer gave me neither really one of them. So well, sure. I, I was it, excited to watch it and then very let down at the end by like, and, well, and who again, are these we're people? talking about speculation, right? Of things. And this is funny because I was speculating and talking about, but then again, this isn't us, didn't giving us concrete evidence, but we're looking at, I look at this like this potentially takes place before even the events of The Last of Us, the first game. Now, you're talking that, about the second the trailer. The second trailer. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot to be said about that. Uh, partially, I mean, there's a lot of interesting I guess, things, well, I guess right? we're doing a bad job in, in terms of spoiling. Not spoiling but we're not spoiling. We're just talking about stuff. But my point being is that they, they've done everything well up until, and I, I even thought that the third trailer was a cool trailer, except for the fact that I think that there would have been a really cool artistic choice to not show the kiss and instead imply every bit of that relationship and just never quite have the kiss. That way, when you finally see the kiss, it feels more like you built towards it. Yeah. Because now we've already seen it, and when you're playing the game, you know it's coming. Instead of when you're playing the game, if you saw everything coming up to it, you're like, but did they kiss? And then when it happens, it's like, whoa, they did kiss, right? Yeah. So, I mean... Or does you know does the girlfriend's like brains get blown out at the last second because they well, all yeah, there's a num- yeah there could have been a, a number of things that happened that exactly uh, it, and it, it would leave more the, to imagination it's the element of surprise and secrecy which is what this episode has been about look and yeah that's a great point what you're talking about could have worked in a weirdly well thing they they cut up. Right, they both look up at each other, and then it cuts. It shows all these crazy events, and then it just ends. It never goes back exactly. to the present. Yeah, you don't and know what And then you can happened. go wait. 
Did well, all this come after? Did all this come before? Because you, you assume you assume that that part gets to end romantically. That's what I'm saying. Again, if right. you set up the ex, if you set up like the, you're nodding off. Like, yeah, there's something romantic here, but you don't get to actually confirm it. Then you get to go with your mind. Like, but wait, what happens? Now, what if now they could have twisted the story right, and this still could happen, I guess. But but they could have twisted the story where right when she was about to kiss her, somebody blows her head. Like the somebody breaks in and blows I, her head I, off. I Not that it would happen, but my point being is that no, no, I the element of surprise goes away, and in, in in some senses, right, I, it makes that scene less poignant later because you feel like you know the outcome. I'm gonna tell you this right now. I guarantee. This is what happens. This, they're going to kiss, and about two minutes later, they're going to get that entire little gazebo. They're going to get attacked. They're going to get attacked, and she's going to die. It's going to follow that very cliche zombie formula. Not saying a bad thing, but I'm saying that's what's going to happen. So it's going to it's going to pull the first hour of the Last of Us all over again. Or it's, well, yeah, actually, um, or it's going to do. Walking Dead's done that trope a million times. But um, in terms of like what Kojima, I got to say I do agree with Kojima. Because I do, I do see what he wants. I, I see that he wants you to experience the game as your own experience, not through various commercials, trailers, YouTube videos, press kits, all this stuff. And I think that a lot of companies, including uh, like Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo, and then all these second and third party companies that are promoting games, they could do a good uh, lesson and learn from him in which it's just one of those things that don't just throw out everything about your game leave something for the experience i i will say i agree with him and just one more time to play the devil's advocate of just showing both sides is that yes i agree and there's something so great about that and like my personal uh, anecdotal stories about this is that normally whenever i come up with a game i don't spend a lot of time looking into it whenever omen sight caught my attention exactly yeah i, I was just like whoa this looks awesome we, we both keep ourselves very quickly did it and you know i was just like i i i've seen enough to know that i'm interested in this i'm gonna go ahead and risk my money and just get it not everybody's gonna do that that's one thing but the other side of this is that uh you like we said, it gets perpetuated that all these things get leaked and seen and too much is shown because of games media. But the reason that's kind of a double-edged sword is that if games media would back off, you would have more of a surprise when you were playing these games. But the other element is is if the game media is not there to continuously push gaming and continue to make it grow bigger and bigger. Uh, gaming media gets game information into the hands of a lot of people. Sometimes people who don't even play games or sometimes pushes people the wrong from hands. Sometimes people from casual gamers into core gamers. Games media is somewhat responsible for that because they keep it in the cultural forefront where if the games did not have the same kind of coverage they do now, gaming wouldn't have grown as much as it potentially has. Or so, gaming potentially wouldn't have grown as big as it has. Which some would argue to be a good thing. Well, depending on who you talk to. Well, I, I mean, not necessarily, right? Because the thing about it is, the more gamers there are, the more of a market there is, the more the less of a risk it is no, true, to make certain true, games because you, you have a bigger group of people. You, that means that niches grow, right? Yeah, but then you get some of that toxicity from other people who aren't exactly gamers who then uh, try to be gamers. Well, maybe, but at the same time... I, are, I don't mean that like a poser are, way. I mean that like yeah, a journalistic way. And I mean, and I get that, but also at the same time, these are people who potentially come in as come in, in this way and they're talking that way, but they end up being core gamers and they just have to grow. But the reason I say that is like, you know, think about it this way, right? The original near, <laughs> the yeah. original near sold. You just, just now do that. I just now wow. took my sticker off my laptop. This is a four year old laptop. Uh, anyway. So, you know, the original near didn't even sell like 500,000 copies or whatever. Uh, but near automata on the other hand has sold 3 million copies. <clears throat> now, of course that could be partially credited to the fact that it's a better game right? in terms of gameplay. Uh, it's got a great story and it had great word of mouth. Uh, I would say word of mouth is a thing, but like word of mouth is a big deal. But here's the thing: word of mouth doesn't work unless you have more gamers. 
Right? No, I, so, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing that there's more gamers. I'm just saying there are people who would argue with you on that. Yeah, thing. but I think to uh, an extent you have to let go because, like I said, the reason I say like niches grow is that like JRPGs were in a pretty dark place in the PS3 360 game because a lot of the people who were playing games in that time period were people who were specifically coming into gaming for one thing. Well, as it's continued to grow and we get more people in, more people are starting to see and like games media is responsible for that as well, right? That one JRPG, whatever it is, that gets people to go. You know what? I'm going to try a JRPG for once, and then they go, wait. I really like this. Now I'm going to try this one. Now I'm going to try this one. And the reason I say that is games media makes that possible. So it's a double-edged sword. It gives too much information away for the people who are already core gamers and don't want it, but it also gives the information needed to get to the people who are casual gamers or who don't play games at all, who see that one thing, who, who see Detroit, right? And they go, I don't know why, but that looks really cool. And it looks like something I'd actually play. Maybe I'm going to buy a PlayStation. Or, or maybe I'm going to borrow my friend's PlayStation and then l- play this, love it, buy a PlayStation, start to experiment with other games that are in a similar genre, and then start to expand out. Games media serves a real purpose, but it also serves... Anytime that something grows like that, right, it has to have a negative side. The negative side is that too much information, the proliferation of information, right? Right. And, th- and that's partially the Internet, too. The Internet has grown to the point where it's so big that you can't escape these things unless you are vigilant about going dark on the things that you care about. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. That's where I say, I want to know what you guys think. I mean, I think that there is obviously both sides to this and that there is a good and bad side, like I said. Uh, What do you guys think? Is gaming media too much? I mean, do they give out too much? Is there a way for them to pull it back while still trying to proliferate gaming and making it grow as a as a hobby and as a lifestyle and if there is there are there games that you feel like gave too much information and ruined it for you are there games that you, do you feel like death stranding is not giving you enough to let you pull onto it or do you feel like kojima is right i do agree with him on this particular yeah, but this, here's the community question of the week first thing we've ever done what game have you kept yourself in the dark in intentionally and came out to be absolutely amazing. Let us know that on Twitter or in the yeah. comments. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good something, question. Something you kept on yourself Discord, dark hop on. Over. Yeah. Uh, something you just did not look up. You did not like you saw a game case and you're like, that looks cool. And you picked it up and it turned out to be good. Or maybe even something you saw promotional art for one time and six months later it comes out and you get it. Let us know what that game is. Yeah. All right. Well, until next week, this has been triangle squared and it's a pleasure to serve. <laughs>